Welcome to the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. I'm your host, HT, joining you with my co-host, the Bearheart himself, Michael Herbert. I am happy to be here. Today on the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast, we're talking about Upgrade versus Venom. Michael, are you familiar with both these 2018 movies? I knew. I, I had seen both these films before. Michael, tell me uh, which of these two movies am I describing right now? Okay, here we go. When an evil inventor billionaire develops a parasite, it leads to a very nice white man to lose the love of his life. Some months pass, and we now find out that this nice white man's life is not what it once used to be. It has become very, very challenging. A kind old woman tries to help him with his everyday struggles. The parasite that the evil inventor billionaire guy developed takes over the sweet man's body. This parasite talks to the sweet man <laughs> as a voice in his head. It also gives him very special abilities that helps him beat up powerful bad guys and also solve a major crime that the bad guy was going to get away with. You good? You done? Ultimately, the parasite and the sweet white man learn to live together without the world having the slightest clue that the powerful parasite is living amongst us. So, which which movie am I describing? I mean, I think the point that you're making is that the plots of these films are starkingly similar. You did use the word parasite, though. It's a it's a parasite in Venom, and it is a technological augmentation in Upgrade. So you can uh, interchange those words with that description, and uh, you know, tell me which movie did I describe? You think? I mean, I think you are describing a perfect example of a less traditional definition of twin movies. So, you know, we have done Mission to Mars and Red Planet. We have done Volcano and Dante's Peak. And on the surface, those films are as close as you can get to actual twin movies. They are about very broadly the similar subject matter, and they're released around the same time. In this case, you have a comic book property in Venom and a low-budget sci-fi horror film, sci-fi action film. I saw it described as a cyberpunk film. And it's startling how many plot similarities there are in both these films. And I'm sure we will talk about how similar the lead male actors look. You know, I didn't write it down, but it's remarkable how similar they look. I mean, I remember going to see Upgrade and being like, I know that's not Tom Hardy. But it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Let's start with Upgrade. Play the trailer, Michael. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable you to walk again? I am STEM. The system operating your body for you. Can anybody else hear you? No, only you. I need your permission to operate independently. Permission granted! I cannot allow us to be killed. You didn't know that I'm a ninja. While I am state-of-the-art, I am not a ninja. Michael, what is Upgrade about? Upgrade is about a man who rejects technology in the future, and yet he finds himself dependent on technology, a technological implant to regain mobility after a vicious attack leaves him a quadroplegic. Cool. What is the Rotten Tomatoes score for Upgrade? Upgrade, rated R, with a running time of 1 hour and 35 minutes, has a Rotten Tomatoes score 
of 88%. That's good. That's good stuff. An audience score of 87%. So very close there between the critics and the audience. It has a Letterboxd score of 3.6 out of 5. Does Letterboxd have an app? It does. I'll download it before the next recording and I'll give you some feedback on it. I did not make Letterboxd, so... Yeah, but I can still criticize you because you recommended it. Venom! (laughs) The Venom trailer. Play it, Michael. Carlton Drake believes that the union between human and symbiote is the key to our evolution. I'm hearing a voice. Eddie. You're not real. You were just in my head. Why would we do that? If you're going to stay, you will only hurt bad people. The way I see it, we can do whatever we want. Do we have a deal? What the hell are you? We. Michael, what is Venom about? Venom is about a man of the people, a journalist, who takes one last stab at sticking it to the man and finds himself subjected to a symbiote, a parasite, which gives him physical powers, doesn't really give him physical powers, kind of overtakes his body, but partners with him it's a little convoluted even though venom may also qualify in the superhero movie genre we're looking at these movies in the sci-fi movie genre because upgrade is most certainly a sci-fi movie these movies are in the subset of movies in which the body of the protagonist is enhanced with special abilities due to some sciencey machiney stuff great examples are the matrix tron one of your favorites edge of tomorrow Just to name a few. Michael, what is your favorite sci-fi movie in which the protagonist is enhanced by science-y machine stuff? RoboCop? Oh, that's a good one. That was my home home run. I was like, this is the The one. The first and second RoboCop. Good stuff. Amazing films. And then the other two that I came up with were Terminator Salvation. Mm. You've got uh, Jake Sully from Avatar in there. And then Terminator Dark Fate. You've got the Grace character who comes back as an augmented human from the future. What's her name? Her name, the character's name is Grace. Are we talking about that, uh, the the blonde girl in that movie? Yes. I'm a huge fan of her. I think she's very pretty, uh, but she's also a very good actor. And I know her from the show. I don't know if you recommended this TV show but it was called Halt or Catch Fire. No, I don't know that show. So this show came out a few years ago on AMC. It's called Halt and Catch Fire, and she was really great in it. There's a lot of things that aren't great about Terminator Dark Fate, but I just rewatched it, and it's better than I remembered, and she's really good in it. Yeah, solid movie. So which one is like your top pick, or those are your broad picks right there? I mean, I think RoboCop is the great example of human augmented or improved by technology can you read your list again the matrix and edge of tomorrow i mean the matrix should be mentioned at every possible uh, opportunity because i think people forget that it shook the world it's, it's amazing because i think how much it resonated with the young people the the older generation at the time did not realize how important this movie was and i, I think people of our generation probably forget like how it just changed the way that we talked about the way that we live and movies forever yeah yeah and then the other one was 
Edge of Tomorrow, which you Edge love. Edge of Tomorrow. That's an ec- you're talking about an exosuit. So you're talking about a man stepping into a suit. That's a suit. And this is kind of where my whole uh, – we're spending way too much time on this. But well, I was no, like no. – I, I gotta, I gotta, No, it is more than that because he also has a power to relive the day, which is brought upon by alien blood. I so, forgot about the alien blood. That's a little more... I, I, I accept your apology. Yeah, but it's just... It's a less specific thing than a symbiote. So in Upgrade, it's the little chip. It's it's stem, you know? And in, in Venom, it's it's Venom. It's a specific piece of tech or organism that that's affecting the change. And or in, in the case of Edge of Tomorrow, it's, a, it's some alien blood. Right. Just go with it, man. All just, right, I'm just, just going to go with it because we got to move things along here. Uh, but I do want to mention my favorite, which is District 9. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies. And that's one of those movies where, you know, the guy is enhanced by the liquid oil that falls onto his arm or his eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like the alien blood. Yeah. Uh, so I, would, I feel like that that's a, that's a subset of the enhanced human. Uh, I think Elysium... Fits more with the RoboCop upgrade line of thinking because he he has a kind of a semi permanent exoskeleton that he's running around with. You're a real stickler for details, aren't you? Look, the only reason that I wanted to do this podcast was to get annoyingly specific in terms of conversations about film. So you're welcome and thank you. Are you ready to pit these two sci-fi movies, Upgrade and Venom, against each other? Yes. Faces will be ripped off. Neighbors will be silenced. But only one movie can be crowned a true Hollywood champion in the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. I am shocked at what an amazing experience this film was. Do we retroactively forgive all the movies that use the zoom and enhance? We have a very simple process. Each movie will compete in 19 categories. And it will be granted a point if it wins the category. In the end, whichever movie has the most total points wins this episode of the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. The other movie gets its face sliced up. <laughs> Michael and I are also each allowed the ace of the sleeve card. Michael, what is the ace of the sleeve card? The ace of the sleeve brings an end to the debate in any specific category. If HT feels strongly uh, that one film should be awarded a point, or if I feel strongly that a film should be awarded a point and we just can't agree, you pull out your ace up your sleeve, end the debate, and, and give the point to the film that you want. And what's the amendment we made not too long ago? That the ace up the sleeve can be aced up the sleeve, that if you pull your ace, I can pull my ace in the same category or vice versa and uno reverse the point going to the the movie that I'd prefer. All right, Michael, let's go. Category one, which movie won the release date? I stopped looking up this information because I love this part of the podcast. You like to be surprised, huh? I do. Upgrade was released on June 1, 2018. Venom was released on October 5, 2018. Tell me, Michael, which of these movies got their firmware updated first? It sounds like Upgrade won the race to the movies. Point Upgrade. Add it to the board, Michael. I will say that when I saw Venom, I felt like they took some notes from Upgrade. I think in my memory, I was like, Upgrade was first. Category two. Which movie won the box office? Upgrade, whose budget was $3 million grossed 
$17 million. Venom, with the budget of $110 million, grossed $856.1 million. It sounds like Venom won the box office. Quick point for Venom. Let's add it to the tally. Right, 17 million. Not a whole lot of people saw Upgrade. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, 1 million people paying about 17 bucks for the ticket. <laughs> if you do the math. And he did, folks. Category three. Which movie has the better title? Why don't you tell me what you think, Michael? Venom's a great word, you know? I feel like it's more specific and it conjures more questions and it sparks the imagination perhaps more than the word upgrade i think just thinking about the word upgrade it's like what do you upgrade you can upgrade your macintosh computer you can upgrade your fast food meal you can upgrade uh, the person you're going to spend your life with i think a lot of people would agree with that venom is you know i i trying to kind of separate it from my knowledge and you know previous opinions or feelings about the character connected to the Spider-Verse, Venom's just a cool, cool word. Let me, let me put it this way. If you knew nothing about the two movies that you were about to go watch, and one of them was named Anaconda, and the other one was named Ex Machina, and you like sci-fi movies, which one are you more likely to Those are watch? two different movies. Those are two. We're not talking about those movies today. All right. Well, so I feel that Upgrade is a more attractive title really? than Venom. You know, I mean, you've had success uh, in terms of changing my mind in this category. So wh- why don't you expand on your thinking there? So there's something positive about the word Upgrade. It's not Venom. Venom, Venom sounds like, uh, like an action movie, right? That's what it sounds like to me. Whereas Upgrade sounds like, like a science fiction or a comedy movie. So if I'm going in the theater blind, knowing nothing about the movie... Being that I'm attracted to science fiction and comedy, uh, less so than a creature action movie, I would gravitate towards Upgrade for that reason. You have failed to convince me this time around, my friend. Why don't you convince me? So Eminem wrote a song. Oh, that was a good song. For the film Venom. Do you know what he called that song? Venom? That's good enough for me. <laughs> you know what? I don't feel strongly about either title, so I, I'm, I'm willing to uh, go with your feelings on this one. I knew I could get you there. That, that's a good song at the end of the movie. It is. I, I'm looking forward to talking about it in our music category. The music maestro will speak of it. Let's dive deeper. This should be interesting. Category four. Which movie has the better leading actor? These movies have vastly different budgets and the casting of the movies is where there's a clear difference. I would argue that Logan Marshall Green in Upgrade kind of looks like Tom Hardy. Do you want to expand upon that? No. Let's start with him. Logan Marshall Green, cool name. He has been in movies like Devil, Prometheus, and Snowden. Always been a supporting role. He gives a solid performance and has been a lead in movies like The Invitation and, of course, Upgrade. He has a tiny role in Spider-Man Homecoming as Shocker Number 1. What do you think of that filmography and what do you think of his performance as Grey Trace in Upgrade? Well, I I feel like it's a little strange to be talking about a derivative of Tom Hardy first. I'm just following your rules of going by alphabetical order. Oh, okay. I'm changing my mind. I love it. I think that Logan Marshall Green does a fine job in Upgrade. I I feel like I can't kind of get to my conclusion 
concluding thoughts without talking about Tom Hardy. Is it okay if I connect the two? Yeah, well, let me just mention Hardy's filmography before you dive in. Go, go crazy. So Tom Hardy, very well-respected actor. I was actually watching Rock and Roller yesterday. That's his like first major film role, I think. He's been in a bunch of blockbuster films like Dark Knight Rises, Dunkirk, and Mad Max Fury Road. Some might argue that he performs best with his mouth covered up. Based on that filmography? I think the person who would lead that argument would be Mr. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy in Dunkirk for everything except, I think, the last shot of of him in in that film. His nose and his mouth are covered and only his eyes are visible. So there's this beat where he's running low on fuel and he's deciding, should I bail and head back to, you know, England and not provide cover for the hospital ship? Or, you know, should I stick it out here knowing that, you know, like, I'll do my job, I'll save other guys' lives, but like, I'm gonna lose this plane, I'm gonna have to crash land this plane and he he does this whole thing with his eyes and his eyebrows and you you never for a a second lose track of of what he's thinking or the emotion that he's feeling it's incredible he has also been around with notable performances in films like layer cake rock and roller bronson and then he blows it out of the water when he appears in inception followed by tinker taylor soldier spy he's opposite the star trek guy in this means war He's in Warrior. The Star Trek guy, Chris Pine. He's my favorite Chris. There was a time in Hollywood when all of the leading franchises had stars named Chris. Yeah, th- yes. Everybody knows that. Uh, he's in Lawless. He's in Locke, which was a good, like, one location movie. I've seen it. And I loved him in Revenant. Solid filmography and an undeniable star. I think his career will be celebrated for years to come. Does he have a speech issue? It's hard to make out what he's saying uh, sometimes. He just, he always wants to do something. You know, there's always some sort of affectation to the way that he's speaking. I don't know if it's because he's bored, you know, or if he genuinely feels like it's it's serving the character. Can you do a good Bane? Oh, that's a lovely, lovely voice. I think that's a Sean Connery, but it, it's close. <laughs> don't ask me to do the impression if you're going to rake me over the coals. Telling you what it sounds he like. He also does, he says, we'll give it back to you, <laughs> the people. Well, so do the comparison now between the two. Logan Marshall Green Do you as feel upgrade. Like you're in charge. In this case, yeah. So I think the character of Grey Trace is better written than Eddie Brock, but there's never a moment where Venom suffers because Tom Hardy just like isn't on point. There's a couple moments in Upgrade where I thought to myself, I wonder if there was another take of that, you know? One of the things that I have heard M. Knight talk about making movies with Blumhouse, I think he was specifically talking about The Visit, and he said that they don't do playback. They don't spend time on set re-watching takes. So you, you roll, and then when the director says, we got it, you move on to your next setup. And that saves time, and that saves money. So with a $3 million movie, like Upgrade, you can imagine that they were moving pretty nimbly and I, I think Logan Marshall Green does a, a, a fine job. I, I don't think it's a weak performance. But again, there's just a few moments where I thought to myself, that could have been better. Despite criticisms that I have for Venom, Tom Hardy's performance is not something I'd, I'd criticize. Despite what's given to him in terms of dialogue and the scenarios that he's put in where sometimes he has to, like, 
look off into the distance and speak to a, a floating head that's not there that is maybe attached to his body. He just always seems grounded and his performance always seems very human. Tom Hardy is an incredible actor. So I disagree with you about Logan Marshall Green, but I totally agree with you about Tom Hardy. And the reason why I disagree with you about Logan Marshall Green is that it's a low-budget sci-fi movie that kind of hinges on the physical performance of a quadriplegic being able to do a weird fight choreography. So it has to do with body acting. And I think Logan Marshall Green does a really good job at it. You're right. I actually don't think I valued that appropriately, the, the physical nature of the performance. You're to, right. To make it look awkward, which it should feel like to a quadriplegic standing on his legs and doing a fight thing, I think Logan Marshall Green nails it. But I'll tell you this. Venom should not work because it feels like a movie from the late 90s, early 2000s. It feels like Daredevil or Elektra, you know, those movies that came out back then. And the only reason Venom is so enjoyable and works so well is because of what Tom Hardy brings to the performance. He just elevates the movie to a whole other level. I got to give it to Tom Hardy just because of how much he elevates the movie with a special star, a gold star for uh, Logan Marshall Green. Agreed. Category five. Which movie has the best rest of the cast? Everybody except the main actors. It's fairly simple for me, but why don't you lead the conversation here? It's hard to deny the depth of the bench that Venom has. It got a lot of people in, in their prime or, or on the way up. Michelle Williams as Anne, the love interest. Riz Ahmad as Carlton Drake, the billionaire life foundation founder, creator. And uh, Jenny Slate as Dr. Dora Skirth. Michelle Williams, Riz Ahmad, and Jenny Slate are big names now, you know? I think Michelle Williams was a big name then, too. But um, that, that's a lot of talent. I want to ask you something. When you're watching Upgrade and you see the evil billionaire white man in it, how does he make you feel? He makes me feel uncomfortable in the way that the Osborne boy in... Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 2 makes me feel, which is he's not a very good actor. Okay. The reason I bring that up is, so Riz Ahmed was not known to American audience when this movie came out. Was he? Wait, you were talking about the upgrade guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just want to make no, sure. No, but, but I specifically mentioned uh, him because I want to talk about Riz Ahmed. And my viewing, my first viewing of Venom as a brown man watching Riz Ahmed being an evil billionaire. It made me feel so weird because I thought he could have done a much better job with it and been a cooler person overall, even if he was playing a bad guy. So a great example would be, did you ever watch that show Smallville? I've seen a couple episodes. Okay, so the, the guy who plays Lex Luthor in Smallville really pulls off a great Lex Luthor. I want that representation of evil brown skin guy when I'm watching my billionaire evil guy in movies. Do you feel like maybe they didn't make him so evil? Like, is it easier to make somebody evil when they're white? Oh. <laughs> are we... Tra are we... <laughs> like projecting... Uh, are we... Uh, no. I mean, I... You know, full disclosure, white man here. <laughs> I think he was too soft... It's the same problem I have with watching the guy who plays the bad guy in the new live-action Aladdin. The live-action Jafar is too soft-spoken, you know? I want an evil, evil 
you know, bad guy representation from like a awesome actor. And while Riz Ahmed might be an awesome actor, I feel like I would have loved a more evil representation of this I, character. I just, I feel like the fault is in the writing here. Just like, it's called, this company is called The Life Foundation. Pretty basic. Back to the drawing board, sirs and madams. A great villain can elevate a movie. Anytime there's a brown man playing a character, I want the best version of that character on screen, which I don't think Carlton Drake was. I mean, that's where the... And and uh, I felt the same uneasiness that a white man while might feel looking at the, the evil billionaire in Upgrade. Oh, I mean, there's no thing that a person could write for a white person to do that's evil that a real white person hasn't done. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Let's just talk about Riz Ahmad. Incredible. Just in, an incredible guy. As an actor and a rapper, maybe. He's a rap artist? I think he was a rap artist who got into acting. Hmm. I just, you know, so when I think of Riz Ahmad, the first thing I think of is Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good in it. And if you have not seen Nightcrawler, I give you permission. Nay, I encourage you, pause this part podcast and get your life together. I, su- I second that. I second <laughs> that. Great movie. Nightcrawler is an incredible film. Talk, talk about fil- like films that they'll talk about for you know a long time or performances they'll talk about. Was that a Blumhouse? No, no. It's okay. I think it's a Tony Gilroy movie. That sounds about right. With Jake Gyllenhaal, incredible performance. Riz Ahmad, I, I think kind of like a star-making performance for him. I know he gets Sound of Metal after. You know, he's, he's also really awesome in Rogue One. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Michelle Williams has, has had... Any absolutely incredible career, Wendy and Lucy, Blue Valentine, My Week with Marilyn, Fablemans, Dawson's Creek. What is that, a TV show? What is that, a TV show? Yes, that was a very TV, that was, <laughs> that was a TV show that was very important to my friends and I when we were 12 years old. Let's talk about Upgrade's cast real quick. I did not really recognize anybody except Betty Gabriel, who was in Get Out, and I thought she you know she was not she was not used properly in this oh she is she detective cortez yeah yeah Yeah. uh and other than that i didn't really recognize anybody else marshall green's love interest is played by melanie vallejo who does not even have a picture on imdb for some reason so you know pretty pretty weak cast and i think the budget is to blame but i've seen low budget movies where the lesser known cast or the low budget cast has actually blown it out like get out is a great example Get Out has, uh, you know, some unknowns, but they all hold their own. Some unknowns. Some but unknowns. But there's, I mean, your first round of, of actors is, they're name actors. You have Allison Williams. Sure, sure. You know you what? I'll, 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 I'll give you District 9. District 9 has Charlton Copley, a totally unknown person. Better example. Yeah. So it is possible to get great actors with very uh, little budget. But this movie doesn't do that, you know, so I just have to give it to Venom for best rest of the cast. I'm not disagreeing with you, and it's probably more the writing than the acting, but it's a shame how underutilized the cast in Venom is, and I think I'm comfortable leaving it at that. Yeah, if there was one solid performance from the rest of the cast in Upgrade, I think Upgrade would easily take it. But I think Michelle, Michelle Williams holds it for Venom, and Venom gets a point. I'm not thrilled about it. Category six. Best, best scene. In this category, Michael and I agree on the scene we think is the best in each movie. 
and then we decide which movie has the best best scene. So let's talk about the best scenes in Upgrade. My first nominee is Gray's first fight in the guy's uh, house when the guy spots him in the mirror and beats him to the floor. And then Gray gives Stem permission to fight back. And it leads to the first awesome fight scene in the movie where I think Logan Marshall's performance is really, really good. What do you think of that scene? I mean, that's the best scene. You agree with that? It's the best scene. I, I, I would like to talk about one other scene. I wanted to talk about this particular scene because I thought it was a feather in Logan Marshall Green's cap in terms of performance and it was a kind of scene that I was not anticipating in a film like this. Once Gray is back home, he is a quadriplegic and he is in a wheelchair and his mom is at his home with him taking care of him. She's helping prepare his food, helping him clean the house, take his medication, and it it culminates in uh, a sequence where she's giving him a a sponge bath. And Gray kind of breaks down in that moment, which is is something we haven't seen him do despite all his troubles. And it, it, it just adds an emotional weight and gravitas to the film where, you know, I don't know that that we, we didn't have enough time with the wife, you know, to, to kind of feel much once she's gone. But we're, we're really on a journey with Gray here, and he's really hit rock bottom. This scene lets you know that, and, it, you know, it, it, it gives uh, an emotional grounding to his, his decision-making that, that follows. Yeah, I think emotionally, that's a great scene. But, you know, people are not watching these movies for for those scenes. I'm watching films to feel. To (laughs) feel something. To feel anything, HT. My my second scene that I have on the list is when Gray challenges the entire bar to find his wife's killer. And then the big black bad guy rolls this quadriplegic to the bathroom. And a really cool fight. Tolan. Tolan, is that the character's name? Yeah. Tolan rolls him to the bathroom and a really cool fight scene takes place there and the scene ends with stem slicing up tolan's face on the bathroom floor what do you think of that scene i think it's less interesting than the first fight scene yeah what i love about both of these fight scenes is logan marshall green's facial acting as he's going through these scenes and yeah let's circle back to the first one what do you love about the first fight scene well i think the best thing about the first fight scene is is what you were talking about which is the disseparate nature of what Logan's body is doing and how he feels about it. Broadly, it's a scene with a nice amount of tension. It's got a little bit of like neo-noir detective quality to the beginning of the scene. The setup for the scene is great. The location's great. It feels, you know, kind of claustrophobic and dirty with the soft light coming through the windows. And then, you know, when the fight starts, we get a little bit of that camera movement that it almost feels like TikTok-esque where the subject of the frame where gray is stabilized within the image and then the frame kind of moves around him. Yeah, I don't think you would believe this and we'll bring this up in cinematography, but that's in camera. That's not uh, that's, right. that's not post work. Oh, that blows my mind. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, I, I wish they had behind the scenes video of it, but uh, they, they used a very simple trick and we'll talk about it when we get to some I'm excited to hear about it. But, you know, the hero of this scene is the writing, and the other hero, I guess, is the acting. Logan Marshall Green's performance sells this idea, in as much as Tom Hardy's performance sells the idea in Venom. He, he totally nails the physicality of what it would feel like. He manages to express genuine surprise 
when Stem forces his body to do something he's not expecting. Yeah, and he's like, uh, sorry, man, or don't get up, man. Like, he has uh, anguish in his face. Would you describe that as anguish? Yeah, when he stabs the other guy, or, you know, when Stem forces Gray's body to stab the other guy, Gray screams. He goes, ah! Because he's not, he's not expecting that level of violence and, and brutality. It's such a fun ride to be on with him. It, it's a really like amazing two-minute fight sequence. Yeah. All right. So that, that's the best scene in uh, Upgrade. We also need to mention it's one of those things that loses its impact when you know it's coming. Mm. But the end of the fight scene wherein Gray takes a, a large kitchen knife and sort of separates the henchman's head from the middle of his mouth. He kind of, it's not he, a decapitation. He, he rips his face in half. He splits his head like a melon from the, like the point of your jaw, like from the, the point where your jaw articulates. Yeah, it's a rated R movie, guys. So It's a hard it. R. And that, I mean, I knew it was coming, so, uh, you know, because I had seen it before. But I remember being in the theater and just being like, oh, my face. Yeah. For Venom, the scenes I've written down, number one is uh, Eddie Brock interrupts the lunch between Michelle Williams and Dan in the fancy restaurant. Dr. Dan. It ends with him sitting in the lobster pool, chewing away at a lobster. I just love that scene. I love to rewatch that scene. That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. What do you think of that scene? Like with most things, I think Ghostbusters did it better. In terms of interrupting a nice dinner, I like the way that the Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 interrupt uh, the dinner between Peter Vankman and uh, Dana. I have not seen Ghostbusters 2 in a long time, so I don't understand that reference. Okay. I don't think this scene is as clever as any of the people who contribute to it wants it to be. Okay. Uh, What do you think of Hardy's performance in the scene? Fine. Oh my god, this guy. The next nominee I have is uh, when Eddie Brock is attacked by a group of bad guys in his apartment, which leads to him beating up the entire bad guy team with the help of Venom. He apologizes to the leader of the people for beating up his friends. And this eventually leads to a chase across the city, but I'm only talking about the apartment part. I love it that at the very end of the fight, his neighbor comes out in the hallway and then runs right back into his apartment. What do you think of this scene? I think this scene in Venom is kind of an amalgamation between the two fight scenes from from Upgrade that you're talking about. And I think Upgrade does the fighting better. Yeah. All right. So that's not in your best scenes, the Eddie Brock fight? No. My favorite scene from Venom is when Anne brings Venom to save Eddie once he's been he's been captured by the Life Foundation security people and he's being marched into the woods like Maximus in Gladiator to meet his maker. And Anne off screen grabs a couple henchmen before biting the head off the uh, our, our key henchman in the film. And then we get the glimpse of uh, full-bodied sexy Venom. Oh, yeah. That, that, I like that. I like the sexy Venom. That was good. That was a good kiss. That what do you mean you liked? Venom. What do you mean? I liked the sexy Venom. I, I said exactly what I mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think it's a good example of what happens when you give a great actress like Michelle Williams something to do. Give her something to do and she will do it in an entertaining way because she's a talented actress. You know, that scene was memorable in the way that the upside down kiss was memorable in the first Spider-Man. 
No, it's not. It's not? No. You don't think that kiss is a memorable kiss? No. Okay. All right. Well. Different tiers. Before I ask you the question, which scene you would pick? Well, you know what? I don't care which scene you pick from Venom because I think I'm leading up great. What about you? Yeah. Okay. I do want to mention this, that Venom suffers from being a PG-13 movie. Definitely. Almost every great moment that could have been awesome is not awesome because the camera cuts away from what is about to happen. I don't know why Sony pulled away from the R rating because 2017 Logan came out and 2018, the same year as Venom, Deadpool 2 came out and Deadpool 1 had come out just a couple of years prior. So there was money to be made with an R rating. I mean, you don't, you don't have numbers. You don't have the box office for those movies. Why don't you pull it up? Logan made $619 million at the box office. Deadpool 2 made $785 million at the box office. And The Joker, or Joker, in 2019 made over a billion dollars at the box office. So it, it seems like there's still opportunity to make money at the R-rated uh, level. But, I mean, I think the commonplace thinking in Hollywood is the more people who can access the film the more likely it is to make more money. Yeah. But I think for those reasons, the the best best scene leans upgrade because we just don't see the cool stuff in Venom. I, I just think upgrade brings greater cinematic talent to bear to tell its story. All right. Put it on the board for upgrade. Category seven. The best title drop, which is the movie's name stated in a scene. By the way, I do want to just quickly mention the opening of Upgrade is uh, said in the voice of like an AI. And I thought, did I leave the mode on, which is for deaf people in movies? And I was like, did I, did I accidentally turn that on or something? And then I had to like rewind and watch it again to understand that that was actually in the movie. And what a, what a great, unique opening that is. I wasn't sure whether I liked it or not first, but I decided I'm, I'm pro AI voice in the beginning of Upgrade. Yeah. It, that has aged well, I think. But in Upgrade, I don't think that counts as a title drop, right? The opening AI saying it? No, I don't think that that counts. Okay. So later on in uh, one of the main fight scenes, the bad guy says to Gray's character, you upgraded. And I think that's the title drop in Upgrade. In Venom, different people use the name Venom, but the official title drop is in the end when Eddie and Venom say, we are Venom. You want, you want to take a crack at that line? I don't. So I think uh, both movies did it, but I think Venom did it more officially and better. I agree. All right. Point Venom for the best title drop. Category 8. The best music moment slash needle drop in a movie. As far as twin movies go, both movies have a shot of, you know, the old school LP player in the guy's apartment. So that was interesting. Trendy. I think this is kind of your department. I'm, you know, you're much more well-versed in this. I can talk to you about the composers of this movie if you want me to start on that. Go crazy. All right. Upgrade score was done by a certain person named Jed Palmer, and he has a few credits as composer for some short films and low-budget features. He's got a lot of credits for short films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's Australian. I think the, the entire team from Upgrade is Australian. So it'd be cool to see if he comes to more prominence in the future, but... What do you think of Jed Palmer's music in Upgrade? I think it's really effective. It didn't 
capture my attention throughout. The parts of the film where I noticed it or I felt it was most prominently used were in scene establishing shots. There's a really, really unique skyline shot that has a a whole bunch of sun flare in it. And the score is just kind of rocking for a few seconds. And I think it's very effective. I was trying to just gauge the score on its own merit, and I, 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 I found a specific track from Upgrade from the score called A Better Place, and that's on YouTube. There's a lot of love out there for it. I really like the sound effect they have to complement uh, the odd camera movement uh, and the feeling that Gray has. I don't know if that falls under sound effects or score. Yeah, I think that's sound editing. Yeah. All right, I'd really like that in Upgrade. Oh, and I I wanted to mention one other music beat. One of the first things you hear in Upgrade is uh, a track called Smokestack Lightning by Howlin' Wolf. And it stuck out to me because it's also used in The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, okay. And it's the kind of song, like, that when you listen to it, you're like, oh, damn, the blues. It's a good song, huh? I didn't know about the blues. Like, I didn't really know about the blues I think it's a great kind of intro, you know, and I'm, I'm going to do a little more investigating on the blues front. Let's move on to arguably one of our favorite modern composers. Venom was scored by a certain guy named Ludwig Goransson, and uh, we love him. Don't we? Creed. Creed 2. Black Panther. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The Mandalorian. The Book of Boba Fett. Tenet. Don't forget Tenet. Ah, I knew you were going to mention Tenet. That's a great score. Whether or not you like the movie, the Tenet score is I'll have to go amazing. back to, to experience it again. Uh, he also did Fruitvale Station. So he's a longtime collaborator of... Cooper. Ryan Co- Cooper. Ryan Coogler, not Cooper. Coogler. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ludwig Goransson is a longtime collaborator of uh, Ryan Coogler. And uh, what did you think of Ludwig's, uh, Ludwig Goransson music in Venom? You know, again, it didn't punch through. Forgettable, right? It didn't punch through for me. And it, it, it pains my heart because, like you said, you know, he's he's one of our favorites and he does great work. Not his best work. In this, the film doesn't also give it, it doesn't give it really time to shine. Was there a needle drop that you recognized? Does a song that plays over the credits count? Oh. Mm. Venom, Venom, Venom. You yeah, know what I'm talking about? yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I think score-wise, they're probably neck-to-neck neck in terms of, you know, what Jed Palmer brings to it and what Ludwig grants, and he should have done a much better job. But yeah, that song, that song is good. It's good. Uh, it's really weird how good it is, but I mean... I, I remember when I first watched the movie, I it was a very forgettable movie outside of Tom Hardy's performance, but I remember loving the song at the end of the movie. It harks uh, another one of my favorite things about like just films from when I was growing up, the credit hip-hop track. Let me bounce a couple off you here. We got from 1991's Adam's Family film, The Adam's Groove. I do not know that one. So. By MC Hammer. Good stuff. Well, that's debatable. We also have Spirit by Dougie Fresh, the second mention of Ghostbusters 2 on today's podcast. Honorable mention, because it doesn't happen as credits, it just happens during the film, Ninja Rap by oh. Vanilla Ice from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. That, that's a really good movie. That's, that's one of those movies where the sequel I thought was better than the original. You're wrong about that, but we'll take that discussion offline. You just don't like fun. 
All right. It's more, you're right, it's more fun. It's not as good a movie. So Point Venom for the song by Eminem? Yeah. All right, Point Venom. Put it on the board, Michael. All right, this one's going to be simple for me, but I don't know how you feel about this. But uh, Category 9. Best Director slash which movie was directed better? Upgrade is directed by one of my favorite young directors, a person by the name of Lee Wanell. I am most impressed by his remake of The Invisible Man, which came out in the year 2020. We saw that together, right? Were did, you there? We see, we, I think we saw that on a business trip. That's the last film I saw before the pandemic lockdown in March 2020. And I, I rewatched it when I got home. Like I rented it and watched it again. It's good. I'm very impressed by it. Uh, he also directed Insidious Chapter 3, which I've never seen. He's also the writer and actor in the first film Saw, which I know you hate. He wrote <laughs> Saw 2. He wrote Saw 3. He wrote Insidious 1 and 2. He's executive producer on Saw 1 through 6. Overall, great filmography. It's I really a, like... It, sorry, finish your thought. I really like his directing style way more than I like James Wan's directing style as a horror director. James Wan, for our audience who might not know, is a creator slash director of many of the Saw, Insidious, Annabelle, and the Conjuring movies. And James Wan and... Wait, he did the first Conjuring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Conjuring is amazing. I agree with you, yeah. I think James Wan is one of those directors who kind of really rejuvenated the industry with fresh ideas. I I do enjoy James Wan movies, but I really like Lee Wanell's style better. James Wan and Lee Wanell started together with the movie Saw 1 and 2. I think it's just really cool to look at Lee Wanell's filmography and like see a guy who who knows his strengths. Obviously, it's cool to like do new things, but it seems like he's happy making relatively tight, high concept horror and sci-fi films, and he's good at it. He also just masters this budget range that he usually handles. I think Invisible Man was a bigger budget, but uh, he usually makes the most per dollar. Like he, he uses every dollar given to him very efficiently to serve the story. Uh, the special effects in Invisible Man are really cool. The yeah, yeah. the suit, like I, I remember watching it and just being like, this is pretty flawless, like the way they, they approached it. Elizabeth Moss's performance in that movie, I think, is awesome. And what Lee Wannell does in that movie is uh, incredible. But you know what? We're talking about Upgrade here. What do you think of Lee Wannell's direction in Upgrade? It's awesome. It's awesome. He brings, there, there, there's just a ton of control and ideas that are, you know, clearly coming from behind the camera. The movie really moves, you know, it trucks along. And there's, there's never a moment where I'm feeling bored. A plus, Lee, you did it. Let's talk about Venom. Venom is directed by Ruben Fleischer, who directed two episodes of Between Two Ferns very early on in 2008. He directed Zombieland. Do you like Zombieland? Not a fan. He directed 30 Minutes or Less, which did you know that 30 Minutes or Less was composed by Ludwig Göransson? 30 Minutes or Less is a film about a pizza delivery person who has a bomb strapped to his neck based on a true story. Based on a true story about a man who had a bomb strapped around his neck that exploded. Does it explode in the movie? I don't remember. I don't think so. But that's an inappropriate thing to base a film on. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even a good movie. So shame on you, Ruben. Ruben Flesher also has directed something called Gangster Squad, 
Zombieland 2, and more recently he directed Uncharted, based on a video game of the same name. So what do you think of Ruben Flesher's direction of Venom? I'm not impressed, HT. You got Tom Hardy, you got Michelle Williams. I understand... I mean, I, I, I probably don't understand what it's like to direct a uh, you know, big budget film with executives and a lot of other people who are interested in what you're doing. And I guess at a certain point, you have to direct a script, right? You have to direct the script that you're given. Well, I mean, look at The Invisible Man. They had a bigger budget for that. They had Universal's backing for that. Right. But that has a unique vision I mean, and a unique style. The budget of, of Invisible Man has to be $20 million or less. And we're, we're talking about $100 million for sure. Venom. I'm sure it's different. But there's no excuse for making a bad movie. I, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. But it's not, it does not live up to the same year Infinity War came out. Just months later, Into the Spider-Verse came out. So, there's Oh, man. If you are Ruben and you go to the movies to see Infinity War, don't you feel really bad about yourself? Exactly. He had that opportunity to make a great movie using the great character that he had. Do you, do you like Zombieland? No, no. Forgettable. This one's easy for me. Let's just give it to my man, Lee Wanell here. Category 10. Best cinematography or best shot. Upgrade cinematographer Stefan Duccio. Has, is it Ducio or Ducio? Let's call it Ducio, so we're not saying the word douche. Love it. Has done a lot of indie features. He also did the cinematography on The Invisible Man. That movie is really well shot. I really hope he continues to do great work in Hollywood. What do you think of Stefan Ducio's cinematography in Upgrade? I mean, there's not a whole lot that you can do with the camera that feels new. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, it's really hard to come up with new ways of telling stories. Matrix is a great example. They came up with bullet bullet time time for it. When Gray gets up out of his wheelchair for the first time, and we've got that stabilized with the character in the frame effect, it's really mind-blowing, you know, and it's subtle. It doesn't take me out of the film. It enhances my experience of the film, and that's what cinematography is, is there for. Even in the scene where he's after he's dragged out of the car from the the accident, the way that he's framed while he's on on the ground, I, I thought was really engaging and interesting. And the camera does the two one eighties, which was uh, very interesting. That's a good version of that. Uh, I think a shot that we've referenced on three podcasts now, which is from the Equalizer. You know, where the camera kind of rolls back on one character and presents him as kind of lording over uh, a skyline that we dissolve to. You know, this this is still subtle and it feels within the world of the movie. And, you know, particularly in that scene where he's looking at his wife who is dying in front of him, the camera's very still. And I appreciate when a director and a cinematographer can just let the camera be still. Now I'm talking to the filmmakers, the television makers behind The Last of Us. For the love of God, let the camera be still. For one second, let it be still. You have a lot of grievances. You should let it go because Man. if the if Last of Us does not continue popping out seasons, all of this conversation will become irrelevant. Thank you to the creatives behind Succession. You do a great job. So I want to say this, that uh, you, know, you mentioned the camera tracking in Upgrade, which I think is the best thing about the cinematography in Upgrade. It was a very simple trick they used. They, they had an iPhone, which was hidden on Gray's body at different parts of Gray's body, depending on what they needed to do. And the camera's motorized head would track it. And that was a trick. 
how would it track it? The It would feed the sensors of the motor, and the motor would move as the iPhone moves. Oh, like haptically. Yeah, yeah. With like gyroscope technology. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know exactly which device they use, but there are certain gimbals that can mimic. I've seen that you just kind of move. It doesn't have to be an iPhone. It can be a, like a proprietary device, but essentially if you twist your wrist to the left, then the camera moves left exactly. to the right, vice versa. So they did a very simple version of that using an iPhone. Oh, and smart. Yeah. And it looks great. It, it serves a story. It looks great. Very well done. Stefan Ducio. I'm proud of you guys. Let's talk about Venom. Much like a great composer, Ludwig Garnson doing Venom, they had a great cinematographer doing Venom cinematography. And uh, his name is Matthew Libatique. Are you familiar with this name, my man? I'm not. Matthew Libatique, he's a frequent collaborator of Darren Aronofsky, and he has shot the movie Pie, Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain, Black Swan, Noah, and The Fountain with Aronofsky. You said The Fountain twice. Oh. Did you just write it down twice? No, he shot the movie twice. Don't you know that? Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, Mother. Like, did he not shoot Mother? Oh, you know what? You're right. Seems like he's Aronofsky's guy. Yeah, yeah. He also shot Josie and the Pussycats. Woo! Phone Booth with Colin Farrell, which we love. Gothica. How did you know that we love Phone Booth? Everybody loves Phone Booth. He shot Spike Lee's Inside Man. Oh, that's a good movie. He shot Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. I love this. What's this guy's name? Matthew Libatique. Matthew. Libatique, yeah. An American, I think he went to NYU. He shot Cowboy and Aliens. He shot Spike Lee's Chirac. I think that's a Spike Lee movie, right? What's it called? Chirac. I think it came out on Netflix. I don't know, though. I think it's a Spike Lee. And then he did this movie called Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. So that's Matthew Libatique. Oh, and he did A Star is Born. More recently, he did The Whale. And more recently, he did Don't Worry, Darling. So this guy is an awesome, awesome cinematographer. And busy. What do you think of his cinematography in Venom? I'm not blown away. Agreed. Yeah, there's... I'm surprised. What is it about this film that brings out the mediocrity in everybody? I have to think that they were probably trying to get through it very quickly under Sony's executive pressure. I know the... Can I tell you the answer? Oh, yeah. Tell us. It's the script. It is not a good script. And it's hard to make a good movie. And I think it's impossible to make a move, a good movie from a bad script. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think this one's an easy win for cinematographer Stefan Ducio. Easy win. For Upgrade. Put it on the board, Michael. I already did. That's how easy it was. Category 11. Best quote slash best dialogue. Okay, I think you have the performance chops that are required for this. So why don't you give it to us? Stem, he's got a knife. I see that. We have a knife too. That, that was a good one. I like that one. And then I love the ninja line. Do you want to say that one if you have it? No, I don't love that line. Oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. I don't, you know, I, I don't love when Gray gets overconfident. I, I think it fits the, the storyline and the character. I'm not going to disagree with that. I just don't love it. All right. So Gray says, but you didn't know I'm a ninja. And Stem says, while I'm state of the art, I'm not a ninja. When Tolan says, son, if I were to hit you, you would wake up in the past. I love that line. What do you think? It's f- it's fine. I don't necessarily know what it means. Oh, man. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Gray leaves his wheelchair in the alley and says, keep an eye on her, would you, bud? Well, and then the guy says, faker. Faker. Which I thought he get. well, the other guy who is also in a wheelchair gets up out of his wheelchair into Gray's wheelchair 
and then he yells after Gray, faker. Yeah, That's yeah. funny. That's funny. I love the lines that the non-conforming millennial says. They say. I, so I, I always struggle with pronouns, but I think this person would like to go with a they. This right. scene was wildly ahead of its time. Yeah. And I love the these couple of lines that the non-conforming millennial has. The non-binary Jamie. Jamie. Uh, Jamie says, paper money? How old school? They really do write God on it. Did you have that one? No, because the thing is, doesn't Stem tell Gray that he needs to bring cash? Yeah. So why is she surprised to see cash? Uh, you're just nitpicking now, man. It's a good line. Just go with it. Don't make rules in a script and then choose not to follow them. It's a clever line. Let it go. All right. Do you have any lines to add for us? Yes. Upgrade? I like this line. It's, and I feel like this is the kind of line that could go wrong, but I, I, I thought it landed the plane. Gray says... One day you're walking down the street thinking about something completely meaningless and all of, all of a sudden you've got a gun pointed at you and everything becomes very meaningful. You know? Dude, the line you picked is like, a, like from a rom-com. I don't have to justify myself to you. Do you have any other lines? No. So we both agree that Stem, he's got a knife and then Stem responds. I see that. We have a knife too. That's our favorite line in Upgrade. Let's move on to Venom. Do you want to start or you want, do you want me to start? You know, real quick, I don't think we, we didn't mention that the actor who plays Stem. Oh, I, didn't know you, I don't even know who plays Stem. It's a man named Simon Maiden. Ah, okay. Nice, nice work there, Simon. You know what? While we're on the subject, I also want to point out that we talked about the best lead actor and uh, we gave it to Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy also did Venom's voice acting. National effing treasure i guessed that just because of who i understand tom hardy is do you want to do venom lines or do you want me to start i'll I'll kick it off so this is when eddie's in really like rough shape and Anne picks him up to bring him to the hospital venom in eddie's head says you should apologize to her you may not live to get another chance are we watching a Nora Ephron movie right now what's going on you would be lucky you would be lucky to watch a Nora Ephron film Instead of Venom. That sounds like something from a Nora Ephron movie. This sounds like a character in a film who is helping another character incite change in action. Which is all I want. I just want to move the story forward. I just want to move the movie forward. I'm looking for good dialogue. That is not good dialogue. <laughs> all right. So I, I imagine you will think that this is... Stop doing Nora Ephron lines. This, this next line is on the tier of... Oh, my God. Who wrote Citizen Kane? They made a whole movie about him. Orson Welles. No. Well, he co-wrote it, but he co-wrote it with uh, Gary Oldman plays him. Uh, Hank. 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 Are you looking it up right now? Yeah. This is going off rails. Let's bring it back online. Herman Mankiewicz. Very near the end of the film, Eddie Brock says to Venom, so what culinary delights will tickle the pickle tonight? That's good. That's good stuff. Venom says, tater tots and chocolate. Uh, see, I like that. See, now you're, now yeah, you're back I on track. I knew you would like that. Uh, do you have any others? No. All right. For Venom, I wrote down, you know, for a smart guy, you really are a dumbass, which is the editor uh, talking to Eddie. What did you think of Venom's monologue to the guy in the convenience store? I did not write this down as one of my favorite pieces of dialogue. You come in here again. In fact, you go anywhere in the city preying on innocent people. And we will find you, and we will eat both of your arms, and then both of your legs, and then we will eat your face right off your head. So you will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Going down the street like a turd in the wind. I love that. Yeah, That's good I, stuff. I watched it, and I was like, 10 out of 10, 
turd in the wind is going to appear on HT's list of favorite quotes. Dude, this is what this movie will be remembered for, besides being a turd in the wind. But what what happens immediately after this languishing statement? Does he eat his head off? They just eat eat him right there. Yeah, so it's fine. Don't make rules and then immediately violate the rules you've made. Okay. In terms of dialogue, do you have a pick here? Uh, I did want to, there's one that I didn't write down that you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. There's a line in Venom where Eddie says, of the symbiotes, he's got one up his ass too. I I love that one. I didn't write it down because I didn't think you would go for it. Oh, I think that was the one clever, cheeky remark. Okay, let's pick that one because I think that's a common uh, line between both of our lists. But either way, I would really like to give the point to upgrade here. I, I, I just think it's a more clever script with better dialogue. Okay. Point upgrade. All of those lines were great, especially the turd in the wind lines. But it's the point upgrade. All right, category 12. Which movie gets a good time at the movies award? Tell me, Michael. It's upgrade, baby. Upgrade? Oh, really? Okay, we're going to have a disagreement here. Ace up my sleeve. Upgrade. Mm. It's Tom Hardy's performance, man. One good performance does not a good film make. Do I use my ace? You got to be very careful because this is a character establishing moment that you are approaching. You will be the guy who aced up his sleeve Venom over Upgrade. Yeah, that's what I'm about to do. Upgrade's a better movie, buddy. Ace up my sleeve here, buddy. You have made a terrible (laughs) mistake. I'm acing up Michael's ace up his sleeve and uh, I'm securing a point for Venom. Because, dude, it's an hour and 30-minute movie. And, you know, this is a hard pick. I think both movies are a lot of fun. But Upgrade is a little too serious towards the end for a fun time at the movies. You know what would make Venom better? Is if Kevin James were in it. And I fucking hate Kevin James. Upgrade has a suicide attempt in it. You know, Upgrade has real death in it. I think, I think the point I'm going to secure with my Ace Do you, do you know why I go to the movies, H? To have fun? To see a good movie. I go to the movies to see a good movie. Well, tell it to the people who paid uh, eight hundred and fifty-six point one. Look, I'm gonna, okay, dollars. okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take one last shot to convince you to change your mind here. I can. It's already been done. No, it hasn't been done because we haven't put it on the scoreboard yet. All right. One of the best feelings that you can have as a person who loves film is to be surprised by how good a film is, and it's a very rare feeling to walk out of a theater and say. Wow, I was not expecting that to not just be like a palatable film, but a good film. Look, and I can I can count on my hand, probably one hand, the number of times that I walked out of a movie and I was just not not that I was just like that's a great film, but I am shocked at what a amazing experience this particular film was because I was not expecting it. The only other one that I can think of right this moment is Edge of Tomorrow. I went to Edge of Tomorrow, and I was like, this is going to be a hot piece of crap. And it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. Look, you have this thing about you, Michael. You liked Observe and Report, which arguably is the better movie. You like Upgrade, which is a better movie. I agree with you that Upgrade is a better movie than Venom. But the question is, which movie gets the good time at the I'm not going to make this mistake again. All right, look. Upgrade has... The bad guy wins in Upgrade. I... The bad guy wins. I did not enjoy watching Venom or 
Paul Blart Mall Cop. It is impossible for me to have a good time if I'm not enjoying the film that I'm watching. Well, thank God for the amendment where an ace up the sleeve can ace up a sleeve. Well, you owed me one and you have no soul, so let's move on. All right, point Venom. I hope you don't make a mistake on that scoreboard there. Guys, I don't check Michael's work here or his tallies, so I'm hoping he's not cheating back there. He who counts the votes. All right, Michael, let's take a break. That was very emotional. We haven't counted the points yet. What do you think the total is right now, Michael? I mean, there's a, been a lot of venom, a lot more than I was anticipating. Yeah. You, you get into this thing very emotionally. You got to keep an objective mind, my friend. I just I want everyone to acknowledge that that was dumbfounded silence. Let's get into the science fiction genre-specific categories. Category 13. Which movie has the best lab partner? For upgrade, I nominate STEM. Spoiler alert, STEM is on our protagonist's side for almost all of the movie until the very end. So, you know. I mean, so you are aware that STEM is an evil, self-serving artificial intelligence. But, but I feel like uh, I could control it. You know, it's, it's, a good, it's a good lab partner. Do you, have, do you have a different lab partner? What about Aaron? Who's Aaron? The guy who invented STEM? No, uh, he's, he's not. You, but I mean, he's not he, a fun hang. Aaron could not even control STEM. You think you can control STEM. So the broad description of this category is that who do you want on your side during crisis who has intellect, personality, and is a good hang? Okay. So that guy might have intellect, but he's not. He doesn't yeah, have I don't want to hang out with him at all. You're yeah. right. STEM is fun. STEM is fun, you know? And who's to say that I cannot partner with STEM in controlling the world? Maybe I have those tendencies. So if I were like an evil bad guy... He'll just ride you like a motorcycle. It's, it's fine. I really enjoy STEM's partnership. He's able to hack into things. He's able to, or he or she, whatever, it is able to uh, do detective stuff. So I think, I think STEM is a good lab partner, unless you have a different nominee from Upgrade. I mean, input guards, right? That's the thing that goes wrong. Yeah. So if we kept the input guards, whatever those are, Jamie's the real villain of this film, it sounds like. The person who hacked STEM. Well, I mean, STEM uh, told Jamie what to do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So who's the real villain? Still STEM, right? Yeah, I'm just... I'm just what about that guy that had the gun in his hand? Is he a good lab partner? Oh, man, you know, that's the only thing I don't like about Upgrade. A gun in your hand? What's the point of that? In your arm? You don't like it? No. Why uh, do you need that? Also, like, that's not computer technology. It's just a gun. Okay, okay. I also, while we're on this, how did you feel about the deadly sneeze? You know what? That could have been used better in the movie and demonstrated in a better way in the movie. I think it's a better movie just without it. Yeah? Unnecessary. I would say so. So do you agree that STEM is the best lab partner? Yeah. Okay. For Venom, I'm divided between Venom and Michelle Williams as Anne. What do you think? Anne's not really, like, science and technology-oriented. Let me, let me make the case for her, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. Anne is a no-nonsense friend who brings breakfast in bed, supports the hero when he's down, sets him straight when he messes up, comes for his rescue when he's in trouble, brings him to the hospital despite a seemingly direct threat to her life, and figures out the science to separate the parasite from the protagonist's body, 
and helps to defend the bad guy using speakers in the climactic fight of the movie. She's really nice. She's straightforward. <laughs> she's smart. She's supportive. And I think she's the best lab partner in Venom. Okay. So you're sure that it's not, even though he's the villain, you're sure it's not Carlton? It's not Riz Ahmad? Uh, is he the best scientist? I mean, he's like a scientist. Jenny Slate? Did you listen to What about all... Jenny Slate? She... Dr. So let, let, let me let me break that down for you. So she wants to, this thing investigated. And instead of taking pictures herself, she sets up a meeting with Eddie Brock. What who is, an is the security reporter. situation at the Life Foundation, sir? There's no security cameras? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, why does she need to go to Eddie Brock? She could have just taken right. pictures. I mean, can we hotwire this? It's STEM, right? STEM's the best lab partner? As long as you keep You think your more than gra- Michelle Williams? Man, you have been Did you hear drawn the case? to the dark side. <laughs> I bet if Michelle Williams says and character can can was, well let me let me let me finish my thought. If she was in upgrade, she would have figured out how to remove Stem from the hero's body without harming him. I don't know. Stem's really capable. I mean Stem is capable, but like you said, he's evil. Yeah, but you were fine with that when you're making him the best lab partner from Upgrade. You made a good point about that wimpy uh, billionaire in that movie, too. So, you know, Michelle Williams, hot hot venom. Can Anne wirelessly hack another car? No. That that alone is enough. Case in point. Hmm. Does Stem have a better personality than Michelle Williams? I think of lab partner as a little bit more of a business relationship. Imagine you're in a spaceship. You're on Apollo 13. Something's gone wrong. You have a problem. Who do you want on that spaceship with you? You're right. This is a science fiction movie. I think generally speaking, I would lean Michelle Williams. But from a science fiction point of view, I think STEM is better. What are the chances that you have a picture of Michelle Williams on your wall at home. I like uh, her as Venom. I, I need the Michelle Williams Venom movie. Yeah, giving her dialogue and a single action was really helpful in terms of making you know her performance uh, anything. All right, point upgrade. Stem takes it away, snatches it away from Michelle Williams. Category 14. Which movie has the greatest threat, Michael? What do you think? That's a good question. On the surface, Venom leads us to a place where the world is at stake, right? The potential for a symbiote invasion is is on the table. Upgrade, I guess the threat in Upgrade is unbridled artificial intelligence. Is that a world-ending threat? It's not a world-ending threat, no. I the mean, world world is just fine, but humanity is enslaved. The characters of the Matrix might disagree with you. Let's say the world-ending in, invasion were to happen uh, in Venom, yeah? If you had a couple of nice speakers, oh, you'd yeah. be able to stop it right away. That's true. Yeah? Whereas to stop STEM, you would have to like get a laptop and... I don't think there's any stopping STEM. Yeah? Yeah. So I, I think this one, like as long as speakers don't exist, Venom would be a real threat. But speakers do exist. Oh, you're right. You, made, you single-handedly made Venom lame in 15 seconds. And, and uh, he's also, he doesn't like fire as well, which is like we invented that yeah. millions of years ago. That's like, you know, I, we've talked about how much we love signs. And then, you know, people were like, why are the aliens who can't uh, be touched by water invading our planet, which is 75% water? 
Yeah, they they don't show any oceans in that movie. Pennsylvania is pretty landlocked. Yeah. Well, uh, I think this is an easy point for upgrade and STEM. Category 15. Which movie had the best gadget? Is STEM a gadget? I think so. It's a piece of hardware. All right. So there's STEM, which I think is pretty great. Uh, it also has the self-driving cars. Yeah, the police drones. Yeah, but they keep crashing, the, the cars. I'm a, oh, yeah. Well, they're getting hacked. Yeah. Got to work on that. It, uh, it has food printing technology. Yeah, I like the kitchen arms. Yeah. Coffee machines. You cook at home? Rarely. I wish I liked cooking. I, I wish I could print pizza because I do make that a lot. You ever seen that video where they show you how they put the sauce on the Costco pizza? No. It's basically like printing a pizza. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I could get behind that. You did not like it, but I liked uh, the firearms in the in the arm of the person. I thought... And, and if you forget the firearm part, just the technology of being able to put a machine... And an arm is pretty good. I thought I thought the concept was silly, but actually I thought the execution was pretty effective. Yeah, what if there was like a pizza printer in your arm or if uh, like a like a cappuccino maker oh, in your arm? You know what I really liked? I liked when uh, Stem is like, you see that uh, tattoo that the guy's got there? He's like, why don't you relax your arm and I will recreate it for you. And then he moves Gray's hand like a dot matrix printer. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Was that, awesome. that was the equivalent of Zoom and Enhance. Yeah. Yeah. Which they can do now. Have you like seen this like AI upscaling? No. Is they, that a real thing now? Yeah. People just, they put, a, you, you can like upload a photo, like an old photo, and it will just like sharpen and enhance, but but maintain texture. So it's do we, wild. Do we retroactively forgive all the movies that use the Zoom and Enhance? No. Uh, all right. Yeah. So uh, there's STEM. In Venom? Uh, I thought the best gadget was the exploding drones. What do you think? Exploding drones in Venom. Yeah. I, I can't see any practical applications of that. I don't. Why don't I remember exploding drones? It's in the chase when uh, when Eddie Brock is trying uh, to get away from people. Yeah, those drones aren't as good as this. the upgrade drones. Well, I mean, the upgrade drones are surveillance drones. I liked the blue explosions. Yeah, that's what I'm talking from about. The, from the Venom drones. So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of cool. But they didn't really work. They didn't really, they didn't succeed. I mean, Venom was too good at getting away, but yeah. I don't think most, like, if I were leading an army with some of those drones, I think I could take down all of my enemies. I think we also, we didn't talk about the chase scene much. It's, a, it's actually a really good chase scene. There's a certain category coming up where you can, elaborate upon the category i will hold my comments look stem is a really cool gadget i I don't know that there is a really good gadget in venom yeah i think uh even if we were to say that the the drones were pretty cool in venom stem could easily hack it yeah yep all right point stem upgrade had the best gadget all right let's jump on to the twin movie special categories michael this is why we do the podcast we do the podcast Because of how similar twin movies are. And these are categories that can only apply to these two movies because of the very specific things in both of these movies. Both movies have a billionaire evil CEO of a tech company conducting illegal research. Both movies have an old school vehicle that the hero rides. Both movies have a significant other who is a more successful woman who also indirectly works with the evil CEO. Uh, In both movies, a parasitic entity takes over the protagonist's body 
giving our hero special abilities to defend himself. The protagonist ends up fighting a villain with a similar power set and skill level as himself. And this is just a few things that are clearly obvious. But we're going to dive deeper. You ready? Ready. Oh, and just so you guys know, Michael is not aware of these questions, so... News to me. Category 16. Which movie has the better fancy medical room to help the protagonist improve his life? So, in Upgrade, we have the half sphere. We have a dome. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, so in Upgrade, we have the evil CEO's home dome, where Gray is taken to an in-home medical surgery dome. And a team of medical professionals, supposedly, use a scalpel to insert state-of-the-art chip into his spine. I mean, it seems really simple when they do it. Yeah. It's just like, beep, boop, beep, it's in there. Sta- staple him up. It's graphic. The surgery, it's graphic. And, and actually, the shot that brings us into that scene, it's kind of a long jib shot. And through some of the panels on the dome, you see like a skeletal VR overlay. And then, and then when you move past that, you just see Gray's body. And then you see the overlay again, then his body. It's a very effective shot. And while that was cool... Here's my question. Why can't we see other people's skeletons? And why can we only see Gray's skeleton? I don't know. I don't know. You think that's a mistake or intentional? Seems intentional. Yeah. I thought, I thought like... And what was the purpose of it? Like, what is the purpose of being able to see the skeleton from outside? Nobody's conducting surgery from up top. I thought it was showing a way that the, the doctors are seeing Gray. Like, they are seeing that the way that we can see it. Oh, don't they have fancy contact lenses? Actually, and that's a cool piece of tech we didn't talk about in the gadgets, how Fisk, the most annoying and mustached henchman, he uses Tolan's contact lens to replay. Oh, yeah, that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. Very, very Black Mirror-ish. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get hung up on this, this thing you're talking about with the skeleton. Okay, so there was the medical room uh, in Upgrade, and in Venom, Eddie Brock is taken to a fancy MRI machine room where on his first visit, Venom doesn't like the sound frequency. And on the second visit, Anne figures out how to get Venom out of Eddie's body. And then Venom manages to escape. What do you think? Which movie has the better fancy medical room? I mean, Upgrade is gives us like a new vision, you know? It is, a, it is an environment that is conceived for the film. And while I was watching it, I, was, I, I thought to myself... Well, that's an inexpensive way to do it. And then immediately forgot about that because it's very effective. Yeah. The dome is pretty pretty good. I like the dome. Yeah. I'm with the dome. Yeah. They could have done something. I mean, it's a $110 million movie. They could have done something to that MRI machine to elevate it. They could have written a good script. They could have done a lot of things. Maybe another Eminem song. Yeah. Why wait till the end of the movie for that? Yeah. They could have dropped that so many times throughout the, throughout the movie. Yeah. Venom, venom, venom. (laughs) That point goes to upgrade for its uh, home dome. Category 17. Which movie has a better protagonist has to throw up scene? All right. Who? Okay. They're throwing up. Let me think. Oh, uh, well, so Gray throws up in the sink after uh, After the fight. The first murder, the first guy that Stem kills in the first fight. Which he's, again, a, he's appalled by the idea of killing a man. You know, and there's another thing that happens here that's really clever and original. Stem is going to help Gray clean the crime scene. He's made a note of every surface that Gray touched so he can get rid of his fingerprints. 
this is a great, that's like a great script that the more we talk about it, the more things we come up with that, you know, felt unique and felt original and were effective for the storytelling. Good job, guys. In Venom, Eddie Brock arrives at his home super hungry. Searching for food, he digs up some chicken from the trash. He eats the garbage chicken and then proceeds to throw up into his bathroom toilet. And when he raises his head up, Venom flashes before his eyes, uh, throwing him backwards into the bathtub. So, any thoughts on that scene? Um, I see you writing down points already before we have made it this No, I wrote, I wrote 17, because this is the 17th category, and I wrote vomit. So I remember what we're talking about, all right? <laughs> okay, okay. okay. You can, so, I, so, I, so I, no I will, cheating. You no can che- have my paperwork when we're done, so you can audit these results. Look, I, you know, I, it's story. It's story. Does it help us move the story along? What do you think of Hardy's performance, though? This is not Hardy's fault. What does Venom want to eat? Uh, live food. Then why is he asking for chocolate at the end? Apparently. Don't make rules if you're not going to follow the rules. On, he, I was he like, likes he likes to wash it down with chocolate. I was like, re- I was really surprised when you know he asks uh, when Eddie asks Venom what's going to tickle your pickle, and he doesn't say like, let's go to the animal shelter. <laughs> that would be an R-rated movie and better. Yeah. <laughs> So you think story-wise, Upgrade is better, and therefore you would give the point to Upgrade? I mean, it incorporates the vomiting as a storytelling device, so yes. I think substantially speaking, you know, story-wise, Upgrade is better, but I think Tom Hardy's performance in that scene is awesome. I don't... You don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Tom Hardy... We've already given... We've given a whole point to Venom for Tom Hardy's performance. That... That takes care of him. All right. Well, I don't have that ace up my sleeve anymore. And uh, I agree with you that the writing of Upgrade in that scene is actually better. Category 18. Which movie has the better parasite uses its powers to take control of another vehicle to stop the car chase scene? So in Upgrade, we have Stem wirelessly taking over, well, he takes over two vehicles that we find out about, but it's a subtle maneuver. We're talking about during the car chase. Right. But we also find out that he's the one who took over, he, Stem, it, is what took over the other Gray and Asha's, Asha's vehicle. But but the question is about the chase scene. And the first scene you're talking about is not a chase scene. Okay. Okay. I thought we were just talking about the process of overtaking cars. Nope. Overtaking cars to help the protagonist get away from a chase. So Stem, right? He he uses it. It uses uh, information from Gray's eyes. It sees what Gray sees, and it has some knowledge about tactics and maneuvers so that it can fight effectively other human beings. But it can't drive. Drive a car? You mean? It can't drive a car. Okay. Why? At this point, they're symbiotic. He has not taken complete control over But Gray. it says to Gray, you have to drive. Oh, why yeah. is that? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Don't make rules if you're not going to follow them. Anyway, that's oh, fine. I appreciate your nitpicking right now. I nitpick fairly across the board. Yeah. Pick okay. these nits. In Venom, uh, you wanted to talk about the scene. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. More length. This so is one of the things I'm pro Venom about. Very effective chase scene. Well shot propulsive a good san francisco chase scene a la the rock i'm only borrowing your humvee and it 
moves the story along. You'll see a theme here. So during the chase scene, which is it's at least halfway through the film, and we really haven't seen Venom yet, but during the scene, you start to get a sense of some of Venom's capabilities outside punching people with stringy black arms. He helps maneuver the motorcycle when Eddie jumps the motorcycle off the hilly San Francisco street. That was a good stunt. Venom releases his gooey black arms to bring uh, the motorcycle back towards Eddie so he won't crash. And he heals a very seriously injured Eddie. He heals his broken legs and his very lacerated shoulder. And that's the beat where you get the reveal of Venom for the first time from head to toe. And it's really cool. Was that the halfway point in the movie? Yes. There you go. What I'm specifically talking about is when Eddie is sandwiched between two SUVs, Venom stretches its arms out taking control of the steering wheels of each vehicle and crashing them sideways so that's what the parasite does in venom so i mean th- th- this is pretty cut or dry for me right film film is a visual medium it is less interesting to see an ai wirelessly adhere itself to a vehicle than it is to see venom creating a protective barrier between eddie and the street as he makes a hard turn venom did it better i think venom did it better i also want to say that if upgrade had a bigger budget maybe two million more they could have executed the chase better i didn't think that the chase was bad they they could have thrown more explosions in there dem has an incredible presence in the film despite being invisible it's a real achievement in terms of the writing and the directing of Upgrade that you don't have any idea in your mind kind of like what STEM looks like. It's just a chip, you know? But it has an outsized presence. It's a full character in the yeah. movie. Before we move on, I just want to mention this. And you correct me if I'm wrong about this, but there's almost no police, like, policing the streets as all of this stuff is going down. In uh, Upgrade? In uh, Venom. Venom. Like, in, the, in this big chase that's happening with drones exploding and many, many cars crashing, there's no San Francisco police coming to the rescue? I don't know. From what I've read on the news, that's pretty accurate to San Francisco. (laughs) Got him. Category 19. The fourth of the twin movie-specific categories. The last category of today's episode. Which movie does the using of the sharp blade that has stabbed the protagonist to kill the billionaire CEO moments later better? Okay, so in... Venom's coming to mind first, so even though it's not alphabetical. Riot stabs Eddie, and he's kind of lying on the launch pad. Venom returns to Eddie and revives him, removing the blade, the piece of Riot, from Eddie's stomach. And then Venom uses that to destroy the spaceship as it's taking off. Yeah. Now, why doesn't that blade liquefy when he pulls it out? Or why does it stay solid? Aren't all these things supposed to turn into goo? That's a fair point. Yeah, so that's what happens. Continue. So Upgrade, the kind of climactic scene is in Aaron's house, spelled Eron. Yeah. But sounds like Aaron. And we find out that uh, Aaron is his victim. Aaron's a victim, just like Gray. And, And like the rest of us when this thing gets loose. And he's been doing Stem's bidding and... You're, you're going to have to refresh my memory here how this goes down. So uh, the question is, using of a sharp blade that has stabbed the protagonist. In this scene, 
Gray stabs his own hand to stop Stem from doing what he's about to do. Right. And then moments later, Stem takes control of Gray's body to stab the CEO, Aaron, in the skull. He stabs him. Stabs CEO. Oh, right. With the thing that he stabbed himself in the hand with. Yeah. Uses the same thing in his body. And then he pops Detective Cortez. Yeah. Shocking. Do you see how shockingly similar these two twin movies are? The blade that is to the protagonist is the blade that kills the evil CEO. Yeah, I mean, there are times when you've had to, like, try to sell me that that films that aren't obviously twin movies are twin movies, but you didn't have to work that hard for this one. All right, so we've got the blade being used to blow up the spaceship versus the small kind of knife stabbing Aaron in the side of the head. Correct, sir. Uh, What are you you feeling? Story-wise, I think Upgrade does it better. Visually, I think Venom does it better. Does it make sense what's going on in Venom? I don't know. I think they're both cool, but I would like to hear what you think. I mean, I don't necessarily think that Venom makes anything great out of the moment. I think maybe the, the reason I'm not feeling strongly about Upgrade is that within that moment, the knife is the least interesting thing that's happening. We, we're getting a lot of information there at the end, right? Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think in Upgrade, the weakest part of the movie is the ending of the movie. You're 100% right. So coming back to the fun question, I think that's what makes Venom more fun, which is that it finishes on a higher note. And a lot of times the ending is what people remember, man. Isn't it wonderful when you see a film and then you keep thinking about it? You keep revisiting it. That's Upgrade. That's Upgrade, baby. Well, that category is done. <laughs> in this, uh, in the stabbing, you don't have a feeling one way or another. Uh, I, I mean, I, half I, a point I, each. I, no, I, I said my piece, which is uh, sorry. I have a I have a case for Venom here. Oh, hit me. With which it. is that there is a very specific shot of uh, Riz Ahmed burning in the spaceship, which I think kind of separates this killing of the CEO over the stabbing of the other CEO. So I think that you know, visually speaking, that was better handled in uh, in a more epic way in Venom than it was in, uh, you know, which is almost forgettable. I would say if the category is knife-related, you are right that the the cutting instrument plays a bigger role in Venom. Right. I think we can lean Venom here then, yeah? So it shall be. Point Venom. The last category is taken by Venom. I have no idea what the totals are, but let's, uh, let's recap, yeah? Category one, which movie won the release date? Upgrade. Category two, which movie won the box office? Only by $800 million or so, Venom. Category three, which movie has the better title? Venom. Category four, which movie has the better leading actor? Venom. Category five, which movie has the best rest of the cast? It's Venom. But there's one thing we didn't talk about, which I want to just talk about very briefly. The mustachioed henchman, Fisk, wonderfully casted. There is nothing that gets under my skin like a creepily-faced number two. Somebody who's not the villain, but they're the number two to the villain, and they just look like a little a**hole. 
He's uh he's the Jesse Plemons of Breaking Bad. He's the guy with the white hat in The Untouchables. He's Ben Foster in 310 to Yuma. Oh, I love Ben Foster. Ooh, you know, I would good. love to see Ben Foster on a, in a Broadway play. Oh, I did see him. Yeah, which yeah, one? Yeah, Streetcar Named Desire. Oh man, Ben Foster At was good. St. Anne's Warehouse. He's incredible. Ben Foster I wish Ben Foster was a bigger star than he is. Oh, I also thought of The Maw. Thanos is number two. Oh. That guy is such a son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so smug. It's the smugness, I think, that gets me. Yeah. Very well cast. Very well cast. Dolores Umbridge. Who's that? That's the woman from Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, so smug. So you like a good number two. I hate them. And so, yes, I love them. (laughs) All right. So uh, why didn't that guy secure the best rest of the cast? Because we had Michelle, Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams, she's great. All right, category six. Which movie has the best best scene? Upgrade. Category seven. Which movie has the best title drop? Venom. Category eight. Which movie has the best music moment slash needle drop? Venom, Venom. Category nine. Which movie has the best director slash was directed better? Upgrade. Category 10. Which movie has the best cinematography? Also upgrade. Category 11. Which movie has the best quote or dialogue? Upgrade. Category 12. Which movie gets the Good Time at the Movies award? Venom for some reason. It is a Good Time at the Movies. Paul Blart forever. Category 13. Which movie has the best lab partner? Upgrade. Category 14. Which movie has the greatest threat? Also upgrade. Category 15. Which movie had the best gadget? Upgrade. Category 16. Which movie has the better fancy medical room to help the protagonist improve his life? Upgrade. Category 17. Which movie has the better protagonist has to throw up scene? Upgrade. Category 18. Which movie has the better parasite uses its powers to take control of another vehicle to stop the car chasing the protagonist scene? Venom. Category 19. Which movie does the using of the sharp blade that has stabbed the protagonist to kill the billionaire CEO moments later better? Venom. Okay, I think the Venom kind of tacked on a couple of points towards the end there. Uh, You want to tally it up for us? It's very close. Is it really? It's close. Upgrade is our favorite, so I really hope it wins. What do we got? How many categories did Upgrade win? Ten categories. Ooh. So with nine points, Venom comes in second, and Upgrade is this week's champion. Wow. You were pulling for Upgrade the whole time. I thought you were pulling for Venom. Much like Observe and Report, I like Observe and Report as a movie. Man, I can't believe you ace up your sleeve, my ace, over Venom. It was very confusing sexually for both of us. Don't speak for me. Venom gets poisoned by Upgrade's fangs. Upgrade wins this episode of the Hollywood vs. Hollywood pod. What are your feelings about the result, Michael? I think the better film won. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Upgrade. It did not win at the box office, but it won in our hearts. Do you think it'll live on to be a cult classic? When it comes to like cult classics these days, there's just so much content. There's just so many things to watch. So what is going to hang around? TBD. But yeah. I think because this film lives in a lineage of horror sci-fi by Lee Wanell, it's going to have some staying power. Yeah. I would highly recommend uh, people to check out Upgrade. I would also highly recommend people check out The Invisible Man 2020. I also want to say this. God bless Blumhouse. 
Yeah, yeah, they do they do good work. Blumhouse cranks out like five or six horror thriller movies every year, and they're often a hit or a miss. But I think over time, they have built up a filmography that is highly respectable. And like most of the time, it's a good time at the movies. Yeah, you. I think you saw Megan not too long ago, right? Really liked it, yeah. Yeah, I love the Blumhouse formula. I would much rather go watch a low-budget Blumhouse movie than a high-budget superhero blockbuster. It tends to be worth your time. Next time you think about which of these two sci-fi movies did it better, look no further than our tried and tested count. <laughs> uh, Upgrade is the winner. Thank you for listening. This is HT with my co-host, Michael. I was happy to be here. Only on the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. And connect with us on Instagram at Hollywood vs. Pod.